0: Welcome to Horror Court Trash Ever, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash pieces of genre cinema, I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we're finishing off Women in Horror, a theme that's been going for the last two weeks, by also finishing off a franchise we started talking about last week. Yeah, yeah, it's nice that we, uh, well, franchise, it's a, a trilogy, isn't it? Really? Well, now that it's got an additional one, okay. it's technically, I, I'd put it in franchise category. I want to see more, so... And if we uh, also count the Cheerleader Massacre films. Yes. Which I think many people try not to do. but you know.
1: Yeah, I'd, they're not highly regarded as no. far as I can see. Uh, we are,
0: of course, talking about the other half of the Slumber Party Massacre franchise. Yes. Um, the initial trilogy and the remake, franchise or not, is the only slasher series... To have not only all female directors, but all female writers as well. Which is fantastic. It is. But also, you know, a kind of look at
1: the films in a different way of what they could have been. And a, a good, so way? Have to, uh, yes, of course. But we also have to remember that they're also produced, produced by Roger Corman, by Roger Corman yeah. which makes, you know, it just adds another layer to the films uh-huh. that we always have to keep in the back of our minds.
0: Yeah, which is, I think, is why the remake was so refreshing. didn't mm, yes, have that male gaze on it. Um. Yeah, so we'll start off with a positive <laughs> and we will talk to you first about Slumber Party Massacre 2 from 1987. Written and directed by Deborah Brock, who also directed Andy Colby's Incredible Adventure. Rock and Roll High School Forever. The oh, Emperor wow. VR Troopers and The Misadventures of the Dunderheads. One thing that's really um, quite disheartening for me when we have a female director that we have to talk about is how small their filmographies are in comparison to the male directors we have to talk about. Yeah, for the majority. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I think particularly with the ones that worked with Roger Corman, you had a lot of male directors yeah. go on to bigger stuff. Yes. Whereas I find that with the female directors, it's these are kind of their most famous films, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Um, Deborah Brock actually had a confrontation with Roger Corman uh, on the set regarding the catering. Corman finally agreed, more or less, to see things her way when she made a wisecrack that caused him to laugh. And Brock says that if a person can get Roger Corman to laugh, then it makes things easier in these type of negotiations. Oh my god, you should not have to make someone laugh to get the right amount of catering for your set. That's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. The more we talk about Roger Corman, the more iffy he is. He has that
1: energy around him, and this is a wrestling reference, so not everyone will get it. But kind of a bit like Vince McMahon, in his no, stories you yeah, that yeah. you hear. Uh huh. You know, I guess the same sort of presence as big well. Big guy in charge, and you sort of have to go by what he says. Yeah. For right or wrong.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know more TNA.
0: Yeah, I mean, whilst we talking about Roger Corman as well, a really weird bit of trivia about him. Um, In order to get word out about... and this is word for word, what I found. In order to get word out about his presence on set whilst uh, arousing his suspicions, the cast and crew would use the codename Jennifer when referring to executive producer Roger Corman.
1: Yeah. Do you, <laughs> what? Should you have to be warned? No. Like, really? Absolutely not. Shouldn't he just turn up and say, Hi, guys, how's it going?
0: Yeah. Rather than having to warn that yeah. he's imminent. Uh huh. Uh, It was made on a budget of $500,000 and it made $1.3 million at the box office. And the VHS was actually one of the top sellers at the time that it was released and even went a coveted Gold Video Cassette Award. Oh, okay. And uh, the UK uh, VHS was rejected by the BBFC in 1988 after the distributor refused to make heavy cuts as requested. And since then, it has not had a physical release in the UK. Just... Re-
1: oh, that's weird. It was just refused.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I suppose, really, we, we kind of...
1: Look, because we're from the UK, we kind of think, well, we're on par with the USA. Why are we not getting films at the same time as America? Why are we not getting these releases, these Blu-rays, these this, that, and mm. the other? You know, number one, I think the video nasties thing yeah. um, didn't help at the time. But I think up until now as well you look at population yeah. numbers and you know we have a tendency over here to get a bit butthurt uh, you know well um mm-hmm. when films well. take a while to make their way over to here but i mm-hmm. think numbers wise it, it kind of makes sense it's annoying
0: potentially
1: but maybe yeah. the market in the uk isn't as huge as we think no you know into because we're probably the same size as like Texas, or maybe, you know, maybe even with a smaller
0: population. Yeah. Um. One weird thing about this film is it's actually partially a musical. um, With Michael Monaghan's Don't Let Go being the film's theme song, uh, as the film's filmed under the title Don't Let Go, Slumber Pipe Massacre 2. However, when negotiating promotional deals with companies such as Pepsi, the filmmakers referred to the movie as simply Don't Let Go, The title was shortened to Slumber Party Massacre 2 after production uh, at the insistence of Roger Corman. So, yeah. I feel like these films had a bigger buzz, no pun intended, uh, in America than they did in the UK. Because I assume it would have had a theatrical release in the UK, at least. If it's made 1.3 million worldwide. Wow!
1: I mean, you could probably make that in America. Potentially. Really, I suppose. I don't know. It's, It's a difficult... I mean... Life's a li- maybe a little too short to look at the uh, intricacies of the uh, Slumber Party Massacre two box office, but it's quite interesting to think that maybe, you know, it didn't it didn't get released here.
0: I'm not sure. I mean, it's it's wild to me that a film like this would have been theatrically theatrically released anywhere back in in the eighties. I mean, can you imagine something like this now? It's so fucking weird, so cab, so stupid. To the point that I feel like whatever joke Deborah Brock made on uh, Roger Corman, I think she very much got him off her back. This feels like a creative freedom film;
1: yes. like it has no limits to its weirdness. It, I mean, it is. There is, and we're gonna keep mentioning it throughout the whole podcast. But there is one very specific film that came out yeah. three years prior that this is influenced by.
0: And that's great because... Massively. Yeah, it feels like a satire mm. on said film. You know, in the same way you could see the difference in time between, say, Scream and Scream 4, mm. you could see the same sort of difference in time between this and the first Lumber Party Massacre, how the first Lumber Party Massacre is very much your, you know, Friday the 13th of Slashers like that. This is very much A Nightmare on Elm Street.
1: Yes, I think it... Yeah, well, we'll get to it in the end, but yeah. Let's I talk know. about the okay. cast. In a
0: section we like to call
1: Hey I Know You.
0: Uh, we have Crystal Bernard playing Courtney Bates. Uh, she's been recast this time around. She's not quite uh, the ditzy, uh, acting younger than she is, the character she was in the first film. Yeah. Uh, she was in Young Doctors in Love, Wings, It's a Living, Grave Misconduct, Happy Days... Fantasy Island, The Love Boat, My Two Dads, and more. So very much a TV queen.
1: Yeah, um, I think My Two Dads isn't as gay as it sounds. No. No, if I remember correctly, I think it's a sitcom where she just happens to have like two dads, like a stepdad or something. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, it's not gay. Okay. Yeah. I don't um, think it is.
0: I, I kind of found I like mean, I be heard very it very
1: progressive for the eighties. Yeah. I just I don't I don't think that's.
0: Why do I feel like I heard that it was about that? My Two Dads. I feel like it was on a documentary or something. Or I may have been saying the exact same thing. That, um, I mean, I can get the plot right now. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> uh, so, My Two Dads from 1987 to 1990. Uh, When Marcy Bradford dies, she leaves her teenage daughter, Nicole, in the custody of, custody of her two ex-boyfriends. Ah, never mind. Yeah, you're right. There we go. That's probably why it was on a documentary. Oh,
1: I bet there's so many jokes about people. I bet there is. Yeah.
0: Ooh. Kimberly McArthur, <laughs> uh plays Amy, former Playboy playmate. Yes. She had it stipulated in her contract that she wouldn't do any nude scenes because after taking her clothes off in her three previous films, she was trying to distance herself from nudity. Oh, I bet that made Roger Corman fucking fuming. Yeah. Uh huh. But he was so angry yeah. at that. Uh, her other films and, and TV show appearances include Young Doctors in Love Again, Ooh. Malibu Express, Easy Money, Magnum P.I., Highway to Heaven, Alvis and Me, Case Closed, Santa Barbara, and a Bakery. Yeah. it it It's a weird...
1: Well, I, I mean, obviously, I'm not the target audience for, for Playboy necessarily, um, but I think it's fierce. I'm surprised that they make such a big like oh Playboy Playmate yeah. of the month or of the year. And it's kind of this big thing. But then she gets cast in The Party Massacre too. Yeah. With all due respect. I mean we love this shit, of course. Um, but it is kind of a bit like, oh <laughs> You, yeah, she's not yeah. making the big movie like uh, Malibu Express. That's the is it Andy?
0: Yeah, the guy who did Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, uh,
1: Andy Sedaris yeah. film. You know these are low budget B movies. Uh huh. Um, so it does it does
0: make me giggle a little bit. <laughs> well, I mean, it draws a bit more attention to them. Oh, of course, of course. And you know what? She doesn't do a terrible job. No one does. Actually, no one does in I'm going to say
1: it. No one does a terrible job. Uh, Heidi Kozak In this In this, film. In this one In this
0: one uh, Heidi Kozak Stars as Sally Burns Yes And if you're noticing The character names Are all taken from a Horror film references Whether it's characters Actors Directors Etc etc Yeah <laughs> Yeah Sally Burns Sally Hardesty Played by Marilyn Burns In Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm-hmm. um, Heidi Kozak Was in Friday the 13th Part 7 The New Blood The next one we're going to be discussing later this year Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman Ooh discord and harmony society recipe for disaster the twilight zone and more yeah she I know,
1: looking she didn't do that many films but they're, they're, we've seen a lot of them yeah
0: you know and everyone knows dr quinn jennifer rhodes uh plays mrs bates she was in heathers charmed Grey's anatomy third Rock on the sun the sweet life on deck er ali mcbeal gilmore girls Halloween as an uncredited nurse, oh. the original Halloween, oh, Wow, and uh, many more, including Night of the Demons 2, where she was by far the best thing about the film.
1: She is one of those character actresses um, that pops up and yeah. you say, I know her face. Uh-huh. What if I've seen her? And you go on IMDb and you've seen her in like 20 different yeah. things. Yeah.
0: She was the uh, the nun in uh, Night of the Demons 2. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, let's talk about our feature presentation. Did you not get
1: the girl from Friday the 13th Part 5?
0: Oh, no, I only had one from Part 7. Who's the one from Part 5?
1: The one Part 5, she plays, um... Oh, who is the one? Oh, too many names to remember. Oh, um... She plays Sheila. The red-haired one.
0: Not Sheila, um... What, in, in part five or
1: in this? No, its... in this. In
0: this. Um, we when... spoke about Amy. We spoke about Sally. The only other one is Sheila.
1: She, it must be Sheila then.
0: Sheila's not a redhead, I don't think.
1: Oh, she is. She, she is. She is, yeah. Was she, well, she was in part five. Friday the first yeah, of yeah, part yeah, yeah. five. Do you remember who she played? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. She, throw away cat. Anyway. You know. That's... <laughs> no, it's just, it, it was one of those things that, you know, it's the whole reason we do... um. Hey, I know you, it's because I sit there and I'm like, what do I know them from? And then you're on IMDb and you miss half the film because you're like, start scrolling through. Is it just me? So you went, you Juliet went, Cummins. Juliet Cummins. Who plays yes.
0: Sheila. And she was indeed in Friday the 13th, part five, and Psycho Three, and Deadly Dreams, click the calendar, girl, and running hot. Nice. Murder she wrote, of cool. course. You know, they always are, aren't they? um in Friday the 13th part 5 she played drumroll plays awesome. uh, trying to search it <laughs> uh actually uh, i the redhead girl really not a major character because she's not even in the top
1: cast <laughs> no she is the girl who um randomly goes to bed in just her knickers okay she gets does she get turned she gets turned down doesn't she yeah. And then she feels sorry for herself and goes. Uh, Robin. She plays Robin. Robin. That's yeah. One. There we go. Yes.
0: Great. Now for our first <laughs> for our first feature presentation. I think Bates has got some weird friends. I have got the fastest growing dick I've ever had in my entire life. I mean,
1: look at this thing <laughs> I think
0: your sweetheart. Sandwich, if you want to go. She should have listened to her sister. Oh, no way. Because when she and her band get ready to party, you want, good time the party it's more than just a great time. I know girls really did this stuff. It's Slumber Party Massacre 2. Now it's time for the fun part. He's in it. It's nine o'clock at the ready to rock My motorcycles out of hot Jump on back and hold on Because let Slumber Party If you go, don't go all the way oh god, anybody gotta any tranks? Uh, Courtney Bates, who survived the events of the first film is now a senior in high school and we're introduced to her as she's dreaming of a shirtless guy playing football on the beach followed by flashbacks to the first film and a very camp title card
1: Yeah, conventionally attractive shirtless dude just having a, a nice... Um, I was gonna say, dream about her, uh, him. Um, her mum is concerned about. Well, it turns into a nightmare, doesn't it? Yeah. So it ends up in, as a nightmare, and her mum is concerned about the nightmare, and then references her sister Valerie, who is being held in a mental institution after the events of the first film. Yeah. Um, she sees a dead dove on the pavement on her way to school, just like in her dream uh are you seeing <laughs> already <laughs> the yep. film that this uh, this uh, film's obsessed with uh, she's picked up by her friend amy and they sing along to the song on the radio about being someone's tokyo convertible yes
0: and it's such a shame that the soundtrack's not available anywhere because i mean there are some bangers in this film this gutted. is absolutely gutted it's not on vinyl They pull up next to Courtney's crush, Matt, from her dream in his convertible and invite him to their band practice. I'm also upset that we didn't get a band name because they might be my favorite band in the film.
1: This, Yeah, I don't. I mean,
0: the Gone Gones. Well, yeah, both some Pipe Masker 2 and 3 have something in (laughs) common. The Go-Go's were big at the time. Um, And yeah, their music is very much... Uh, we get it in the next scene. We're treated to a wonderful performance by Courtney and Amy's band with their friends, Sheila and Sally, as they're rehearsing and very clearly not playing their instruments. As a musician, one of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to films and anything really that includes people playing music, playing instruments is when they've got their whole hand over the guitar fretboard and they're trying to strum it with just their fingers, no guitar. Picks. It's like, okay, look, we know you're not playing. Come on, put a bit of effort into it, please. <laughs> drives me mad. But I'm willing to forgive it in this case because it's so camp and these girls are just giving it their all.
1: It's, yeah, it's kind of a weird, and the whole thing is a very weird kind of Saved by the Bell energy. Yeah. Like if Saved by the Bell was a um slasher film. Yeah. You
0: know, I'm I'm expecting them to start singing Friends Forever. Uh-huh. But no, they're, they're singing a uh, Go-Go's Ripoff song. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're not even trying to hide it. No, it, it's, you know. Yeah, it's um, it's
1: Belinda Carlisle and Jane Wydland. Yeah,
0: Courtney's giving some backing vocals, giving it her all. The drummer, Sally, she's clearly not playing the same beat as the song. It's just everything. And Matt arrives and he awkwardly watches them. Oh, he's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when the song finishes, Sally's like, oh, I'm so happy I got the drum roll right. Did you? Yeah. Did you? I don't know if you did. Well, someone did. Someone it did on the recorder. Yeah. She invites... Um, Courtney invites her crush, Matt, to stay at the uh, at a, condom- a condominium for her birthday weekend with Amy, Sheila and Sally. So, what the hell is a condominium? I have no idea. It is a little suburban house. <laughs> I don't... I, is it I, just a type of house? I don't... It's literally... It looks like the neighbourhood from uh, Poltergeist. It's just a nice little house. <laughs> yeah, well, big house. Big really. house, yeah. I know we talk
1: a lot about American housing uh, on the <laughs> podcast, but it just confused me because, like, what, what's a condominium? I thought that was like where nuns
0: lived. <laughs> <laughs> condominium. <laughs> and it's definitely not one of those. Um, Matt says, Will your parents be there? She's like, No. And he's like, You bad, bad girl. And she's like, Not us. You must be thinking of some other girls. And he's like, No. I'm thinking of you. <laughs> and Good girl gone bad. He agrees to go and he kisses her. Like it didn't take long for her to pull him. Really? No.
1: Considering she'd been dreaming about him. Yeah. You know, it I was, thought it'd be more of an effort she, than she this. Put a little effort into it, and she got what she wanted. I mean, if, if only it could come that easy
0: in real life. And she, well, she tells. Um, no pun intended. Well, I mean, it's how it Paul you, really. Way right to a band practice. But I'd away from a weekend and there we go.
1: Dreaming about me shirtless playing football, I don't think.
0: Yeah, yeah. Happens all the time. Um, <laughs> Sally uh, says when, when Courtney gives them the news, she's like, oh, I know what Courtney's getting for her birthday. A boyfriend. Mm. <laughs> um, Maybe not,
1: as Courtney's mother isn't too pleased it's at the not. idea of Courtney going to the condo. Uh, she's she'd rather she joined her visiting Valerie instead. Um, but she does come around to the idea in the end.
0: Well, she reminds she... her that it's her birthday. Yes. She, and she's like, oh, I forgot it was your birthday. I don't want to spend my birthday in a mental institute.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah,
0: relatable. Yeah, her mum lets her go. Courtney starts fantasising about Matt again uh, before she has a vision of Valerie in a psychiatric hospital along with a man in full leather gear. <laughs> Playing guitar and doing a little dance. And he says, rock and roll never dies. <laughs> she then has a vision of a drill going through someone's chest. Yeah.
1: Um, so he he's like a rockabilly <laughs> greaser type with a quiff and a leather
0: jacket. and I'm not sure what this is meant to be. I know what this is supposed to be. Let us know. When we'll get a little further in, okay, I have the exact but, explanation as told by the internet
1: why this has been chosen, yeah, yeah, as okay. to who
0: he's supposed to be.
1: No, he's uh, yeah, I assume he's meant to be the killer from the first film, and this is her remembering. Um, you're half right,
0: yeah, but I don't understand why. Okay, I'll skip ahead, I'll skip ahead. Would you mind
1: because it's going to annoy me?
0: He is the killer from the first film. Yeah, he's Russ Fawn reincarnated as a greaser with a drill bit guitar. So he is literally the reincarnation. Yeah. So why why a greaser? Because this film needed to be a musical. <laughs> oh, okay. So literally <laughs> the, the no. just pulled out yeah. of a hat out, uh-huh. out of someone's ass and just said, just, just
1: make him a greaser. Yeah,
0: who is reincarnated
1: as? Because I don't know how relevant that was in nineteen what eighteen what seven. seven? Yeah, like I don't, I don't, I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't think of what the reference was. Yeah,
0: you know. Um, but yeah. apparently he's yeah he's one gigantic Freddy Krueger satire, which yeah. makes the greaser actually even more baffling. <laughs> yeah. Um but he yeah his guitar has a drill bit on the end of it. As we mentioned in the original versus remake episode this is a, included in the remake. Um iconic. It's it's, absolutely it's, iconic. Yeah,
1: super cool. It really is and it uh, looks great on the poster. And he's well. actually
0: playing guitar when he's playing it. Oh wow. Yeah. How do you know? Because I'm not an idiot. You're an expert. <laughs> The girls leave for the weekend. Uh, one of them has stole their brother's Hot, Wet, and Wild book, Ooh. and uh, Courtney continues having visions of her friends dying. The Hot, Wet, and Wild book makes a few appearances in it the. Does square. it?
1: It's kind of it's like very eighties, like ooh, saucy book. <laughs> like is it... it's a novel. It's, it's not this... even a fucking magazine. It's literally like, a novel. Like, like in the first film, it's a magazine, It's Playgirl. <laughs> but in this one, it's like hot, wet, and wild. The novel. <laughs> okay, might as well be Lady Chatley's Lover. <laughs> uh, upon arriving at the condo, two of the girls' boyfriends, Jeff and TJ, show up to
0: ruin it for everyone. Before that, they drink. They all drink French champagne eat corn dogs, watch rock and roll high school and dance to house cafe by house cafe.
1: Yeah. So the girls are watching, they're watching TV and rock and roll high school starts, which now I realize Roger Corman. is a Roger Corman film. And the director went on to um, direct the sequel. Didn't yeah. she. Um They turn it up and dance to a song. That's definitely not part of the rock and roll no. high school soundtrack. <laughs> also their dancing is a bit too energetic for the song. If it was rock and roll high school, I could understand. Yeah. But it the, the song doesn't actually go
0: off that much. Okay, their dancing is way better than the song itself. Exactly. They all do individual dances while staring into the camera. They do. And then they all dance in sync in a row.
1: Yes. It's high camp and definitely Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Definitely. Um, Sheila ends up topless. She does. Because she's the only one that actress, I'm assuming, that was willing to do it's it. It's her
0: house. It's her condo. It's, it's a
1: weird one though, isn't it? it? It's it's one of those things that feels very forced.
0: Yeah, this is the film where we get the scene that the remake did the satire of with the pillow fight. Mm. So Jeff and TJ, they show up, they do the standard boys outside the window staring in, and yeah, the pillow fight starts, there's feathers going everywhere, it's in slow motion, Sheila gets her boobs out, um, yeah, and I mean, it was very much clearly Roger Corman's input, but watching it as a homosexual man in 2023, this is camp as
1: tits. Oh, it's high camp. And it's great, you know, we, we don't shame anyone um, for, for going naked in films. It's just, it's very, it's just very strange to see the different contracts on display. Yeah. So obviously, um, you know, one of them's topless. Sally's in her bra and knickers, mm-hmm. and then the other two are fully dressed. Yeah, and it's like, okay, <laughs> I I can see who had what written into their contracts mm-hmm. for this film, which just makes it seem a bit. I don't know. It obviously it's fun and it's camp, but when you when you know about Roger Coleman and you know about his insistence on nudity and such, and it's just a bit like, oh. You know, it just really sticks yeah.
0: out like a sore form. Uh-huh. That night, Courtney has A Dream of the Killer from the first film, who is now, as I explained earlier, is a reincarnated version of Bruce Fawn. And, uh, yeah, she wakes up on the kitchen floor after he says, Hey, baby, love the one you're with. <laughs> it, all his little quips make no sense. They're just like little fucking lyrics from songs, just thrown out of nowhere. Um, you know when you do an impression
1: of him, you sound like Countless like Luan. Oh, well it's... I can imagine her saying it <laughs> I'd love to see her in that role yeah um yeah I find he's more sexually aggressive than you know it's it's kind of stuff like uh, I won't leave you alone yeah. until we go all the way and yeah, yeah such which I think is interesting but uh, not really dealt with it, it's just uh-huh. kind of, I think it's an interesting because it,
0: it so is Freddy Krueger though so I feel like it's very much again part of that satire. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't. I'm not sure if this is. I suppose it is a satire of Nightmare on Elm Street. I think primarily to a certain degree. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. I. Yeah. I agree. I think um, probably don't is, forget, we've had
0: the sequels by this point as well.
1: Yeah, I think they're slash parodying it, but also kind of hoping. Word gets around how mm. much like Nightmare Now Street yeah. it is, and so it can mean, make some box office.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, the reason I'm thinking parody is because of what the franchise is going for as a whole. You know, it started with slash of satire. Um, I feel like it did continue here. I feel like those elements are still in place because this is very much a comedy. Yeah, I, even I, like IMDb has it listed as a comedy.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, way more than the, the first one. This is an outright comedy. Yeah. And obviously with the musical elements as well mm mm-hmm. um, It's definitely a parody of yeah.
0: slasher films. Definitely. That day she has more visions of the Driller Killer when TJ throws her into a swimming pool. Um, and after she wakes up from passing out in a swimming pool, Sally's like, hi, how's the hangover, Queen? <laughs> yeah. the <laughs> TJ's be- a fucking knock. Be- <laughs> He's an
1: absolute dickhead. Um, yeah, he also fills her up before throwing her yeah. into... The way His way to cure her of a hangover is to mm-hmm. touch her up in front of his girlfriend yeah. and throw her into the pool where she has another vision and almost drowns. Yeah, And the whole thing is everyone tells her that she's just got a bad hangover. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's, you know, some form of PTSD yeah, yeah. from what happened in the first film. Slash the reincarnation of the killer from the first uh-huh. film Is actually back to get her But they don't know that at that yeah. point But they just tell her it's uh, a hangover
0: I knew I recognised uh, TJ from somewhere Ooh, he Him from? and his stupid fucking laugh um, Joel Hoffman was in Pumpkinhead and Slaughterhouse mm-hmm. I do remember him in both of those Yeah, he does this thing where he just After every word he says he laughs And he just, he's just so fucking annoying And he has the biggest eyebrows you'll ever fucking see on someone. (laughs) I'm assuming
1: that's the point, not the eyebrows. Oh, no.
0: He is absolutely meant to be that guy in a slasher film. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Courtney's eating a burger and has a vision that has a hand in it. As uh, TJ reads out parts of Hot, Wet and Wild. Yes.
1: Hot, Wet and Wild again. (laughs) Then we get a nice montage, don't we? We
0: get a lovely montage.
1: To the song Why... Well, I'm assuming it's called Why, because they keep saying Why? (laughs) Um, absolutely, goes off. Really, like it's really being performed in the living room. Yeah, <laughs> it looks like, seriously. It Really goes off, I and mean, it's the Go Go's, the House tap yeah. Boots.
0: Jeff and TJ are loving it. Yeah, they're, they're a really sitting on the floor. It. Yeah, well, sitting we on... words. Yeah, you know. uh, TJ eventually gets He's enjoying it so much. He gets up and starts doing a little Crispin Glover style dance.
1: Yeah, I would.
0: Uh, but yeah, it's intertwined with scenes of Courtney staring at a picture of Matt and kissing it. Amy washing her car and TJ wrestling with Sheila's brother's blow up doll in a swimming pool.
1: Yeah. That fun. <laughs> All the
0: fun activities people did before the internet. Courtney goes to the fridge and a chicken jumps out. Sorry, in a, in a bizarre series of events, Courtney goes to the fridge and a chicken jumps out at her and starts leaking black ink.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's a raw chicken as well. Yeah. A de- dead raw chicken. Um reminds me of Zombie Flesh Eaters yeah. Three. It's, no, Zombie Flesh Eaters Two. 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 Yeah. Zombie Three.
0: Yeah. The Italians. They're it's times. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, she tells Jeff and Amy about it, and when they check, it's just a normal chicken still in the wrapper. Yeah. On on the floor. As yeah, well. On the floor. And they're like, Oh, it's just a hangover from that French it's champagne. It's all that French champagne you were drinking. Sally continues to
1: write her masterpiece. <laughs> Uh, The lyrics I got down was, what I want most is a pie in the sky. <laughs> what does pie in the sky mean? I, I
0: mean, I thought that means heaven. I thought it means dying, but okay. Pie in the sky, maybe. <laughs> Very
1: old-fashioned, isn't it?
0: She also wants a sugar daddy with a candy shop. Yeah. Yeah?
1: It's not... Do you often get drummer's... You're in a band. Drummers writing lyrics and Yeah, my drummer writes band. lyrics,
0: yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's not it's not unheard of. It's not popular, but it's not unheard of. I suppose Phil Collins. Uh, Roger Taylor did it. Yeah. The Queen. Yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure he wrote Under Pressure. Oh did he? Yeah. Oh. Don't quote me on it. But anyway, um Poor yeah, no, know. I mean Sally is obviously leagues above every other drummer ever that's ever existed because I mean lyrics like I need a sugar daddy who has a candy shop just perfect, really. Surprised no one's taken it. Fifty Cent, maybe. Yeah. Chris, sweet Christina Aguilera might have actually. Hey, oh yeah, Sweet Sugar, Candy Man. <laughs> Courtney takes a bath, um, just like Nightmare on Elm Street, which starts uh, overflowing with blood, whilst the Driller Killer plays his guitar. She interrupts Sally's songwriting session, rude, to show her, but the blood is gone, and <laughs> Sally says, "Hey, are you on drugs or something?" And she says, "I wish I was, Sally." <laughs> <laughs> Well, Sally can relate
1: to Courtney's mental breakdown because she has a spot forming on her face. <laughs> we then get, which a really pretty cool scene actually. Yeah. It's a vision of Sally's face growing a huge zit that then explodes uh, directly in Courtney's face, spraying yeah.
0: her with pus. Yeah, oh, I hate that word. Eww. She she runs off in hysterics, uh, but is comforted when Matt arrives and she tells him Sally's dead. What's the impressive is those practical effects in this scene. Again, this is on a five hundred thousand dollar budget. yeah. And all of the practical effects in this film are top notch.
1: They yeah, actually. Yeah. No, definitely. That that one's probably the highlight as well. It's something a little different. You don't it's always see in, in films. It's like yeah. how many times can you kill someone with a drill? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a really cool visual. Yeah. Um and yeah, it just makes it stand out. Um, my thing with Courtney is at what point is she gonna realize these are all visions? <laughs> like, at what point are these things never actually happening? Is she gonna realize? Uh-huh. Shortly. Shortly. Uh, TJ says to uh, to Matt, "I think your sweetheart's taken too many diet pills, because <laughs> he's that guy. Uh, She's ruining my weekend."
0: Yeah, Jeff blames it on the French champagne again. Jeff is obsessed with his French champagne and the damage it's done to Courtney. That's xenophobia for you, isn't it? Yeah. Sally disappears and the group is unable to find her, but she later returns to the house whilst the police are there because of her disappearance. And she reveals she left to go to the store to buy more Oxy10, uh, and then she ran into a hot guy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you run into a hot guy at a store... Police officers are fuming... Yeah. Wasting the taxpayers' money. Did you get the names of the police officers? Uh, One was Kruger. And who was the other one? Guess. Craven. No. I don't know. What was the other one? Boris. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, Courtney and Matt are left alone. And Matt surprises her with a birthday cake. And the two begin to have sex. When she says, Matt, I've never... And then the Driller Killer appears and says, Gone all the way? Let's rock and roll, baby. (laughs) He impales Matt through the chest. Yeah, we get what the vision was. With we'll his start drill, to now.
1: yeah. Before chasing Courtney downstairs, where he then confronts the returning
0: group. <laughs> no one questions where this guy's come no. from. No. <laughs> before well, they- no, they do, they do,
1: they do. Do they? Yeah, so as the others escape, the killer impales Sally with the drill. Mm-hmm. So he kills Sally, uh, and she does that thing where she stands against a wall for a very long time. As the jaws getting closer and closer and closer, which is like, yeah, you probably could have ran away, hun. But it's it's all right. It's okay. She's too busy wondering what's going to happen to a masterpiece. Duh. Um, but yeah, they said uh, I don't I don't know who it was. Uh, Courtney, where did this guy come from? She says, I don't know. I was dreaming about him and then he suddenly <laughs> appeared and killed Matt.
0: But there's also I, another...
1: hyper <laughs> um, hmm, sounds very familiar. Yeah, there's another I very... I brought him
0: out of my dream. <laughs> there's another very familiar bit of dialogue prior to this as well when he starts cutting Matt up with his drill and he has his arm and she's like, you're just a dream. And he's like, does this look like a dream to you? <laughs> I was like, um, that's dangerously close. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I do think, you know, I think we can say it's a parody, but also, like, really, it is a, a kind of a copycat. Yeah. Well, you know, you can't, there's there's stuff you can get away with in a parody, but if you're just redoing the film, yeah, can you really call it a parody, you know? <laughs> Not Gus Van
0: Sant's Psycho here. Sheila and TJ flee, whilst Courtney, Amy and Jeff leave in Jeff's car. But Jeff is impaled by the killer after he says, this is dedicated to the one I love. <laughs> and Courtney and Amy flee back to the house.
1: Had we had the sort of, by, by this point, that um, sort of annoyance with Freddy Krueger's quips. Oh,
0: absolutely. We absolutely but by that. 87... 87, wasn't that Dream Master or was it Dream Warriors? Dream Warriors. So that was kind of...
1: I mean that was when it was still pretty cool. I think it wasn't really until part 5 where it's like oh yeah oh
0: maybe or part yeah. part 4 potentially.
1: I mean part 4 was when it he really yeah. or, I mean part 6 obviously is the worst. Um but part 4, you know, he had his little quips in the first two films kind mm. of uh really amped it up for warriors and then really went for it for dream master. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no. This is definitely. I feel like Dream Warriors would have been released before this. Before this was made, and I assume these. It's Roger Corman. So no, he's no, would have had no, a quick you, turnaround. Same year, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Quick I, I feel like these would have had quick turnarounds. Oh these films. yeah.
1: Yeah. It. It's. And this is the thing. You know. I don't always realize about films, is that a film like this has kind of, in my opinion, stood the test of time. Yeah. Like like yeah, of the original film, really stood the test of time. When really. It was probably filmed in three weeks and a lot of the people involved didn't think it would go anywhere. Did they think that two, you know, queers in Salford Mm. 40 years later would still be talking about these films?
0: Yeah, I I mean, it's even, you know, we're starting to see it again now with like Scream and Scream 6. Mm. You know, Scream was released last year and we have Scream 6 being released in like two weeks time. Yeah, I think... I mean, obviously, they knew they were going to have an audience, so they probably would have had something a little more prepared. But with slasher films, it's easy to just throw them out again and again and again. Yeah. You know, like Halloween Halloween kills, Halloween ends. I think we we look at it in
1: terms of, you know, the the big films, the big blockbusters, you know, they take sometimes years to do, you know, with everything involved. It's just weird that, you know, in my opinion... Films like this, and this is just my opinion, films like this have stood the test of time better than films around the same time with big names and yeah. big star. you know. Oh, yeah. I, I will watch this again and I would, you know, uh, watch quite a few times. But there's probably a few, you know, films. I can't think of any off the top of my head, which is kind of the point. I
0: mean, look at the first Top Gun. That's just fine. Yeah, it's just fine. But it probably
1: took 10 times as yeah. long to, to make. Yeah. I'm not sure what point I'm making, but, you know, it, it's there somewhere. Well done,
0: Slime Maskatoon. Maskatune. Yeah, that's if I anyone make. can in- interpret what I've just said. Congratulations, Deborah Brock. <laughs> Your film's aged better than Tolkien. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose so. Sheila and TJ run to a nearby house for help, but the killer catches up, and thankfully, TJ is killed. Yeah, God bless. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> Sheila manages to return to the condo, and uh, the killer, in a bizarre series of events... Breaks the fourth wall, says, now it's time for the fun part, and performs a fucking musical number for the film's theme song, which I thought was called Let's Buzz, but obviously not.
1: Oh, yeah, it's called
0: Don't don't Let Go. Don't Let Go.
1: Yeah, I think as with the first film as well, the gorious deaths are reserved for the male characters. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of kept that look, probably still had the same criticism, because you know people can't look further than their noses Uh at these things. Yeah, Sheila manages to return to the condominium. Yep, did the... That. Oh, did you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, he's he breaks out into his musical number. His legs are going in and out. His arms are going everywhere. He's playing the guitar. He's singing. It is fucking so camp. It is unbelievable. It's,
1: it's fucking stupid. It's as full well, rockabilly. Let, let's be honest. It's really. It's so stupid. It, it is kind of a bit like. <laughs> they trying to... it's funny and it's stupid which makes it camp and makes it very entertaining yeah.
0: the house is now just pink lights yeah everywhere he <sighs> what point does he say i can't get no satisfaction <laughs> that's a little further on <laughs> um but yeah he the house now has pink lights for his staging it's honestly one of the most ridiculous things i've seen in a slasher film uh he then murders sheila with his guitar drill oh, after yeah. finishing the song Oh, she's another one. That, oh, no.
1: I suppose she dirt her leg, are not
0: she? Yeah. Credit to her. Courtney and Amy escape, uh, but the killer pursues them across the roof, and that's when he says, I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> and through a construct- And then he goes through a construction site after them where Amy falls to her death, and he says, let it rock your soul. <laughs> and then he goes to Courtney and says, come on, baby, light my fire. And she says... You bet I will. And sets him on fire. She just does. She sets Just sets, <laughs> just him, on sets fire. him on fire. <laughs> like it was that easy all along. <laughs> she waited for all of her friends to die, so like, I'm gonna kill him now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like just just sets him on fire. Like he's uh
0: you know, child murderer from uh, Well yeah. Street. Again, great stunt work, the guy on fire. Five hundred thousand dollar budget. This is just amazing. Yes. yes. They um, really, you know, they did the absolute best with the absolute minimum.
1: I think it's interesting that Courtney is our final girl. Like, in the, in the first film, and we mentioned it in our original versus remake, is that they had three final girls. Yeah. And Courtney's the only final girl in this. Mm-hmm. And by her own admission earlier in the film, she's a virgin. Yeah. Which I think kind of plays into the slasher film conventions that the first film was parodying.
0: Yeah, I feel like the intention was to bring her back, though. So, the, sometime later, Courtney wakes up next to Matt. Mm. He muffs into the killer. He does the whole I love you line from the first film. She then awakens in the psychiatric ward and screams frantically as a giant drill bursts through the floor. And the credits roll with the Let's Buzz" song playing. So, yeah, and I feel like that ending was okay. She's been through what she went through in the first film. She's now in a psychiatric ward after all of her friends got murdered now. She's clearly he's still alive. She's clearly going to go after him.
1: Yeah, it's that uh cabinet of Dr. Caligari at yeah. the end is it that image of yeah. her in the bed and the drill coming up. Yeah, it's very nightmare on Elm Street that kind of, you know,
0: mother yeah, kind of ending. Yeah. I mean, Nancy coming back in part 3, again it's we feel oh, like this over. film, we feel like this film's very much coming from part 3. Of a nightmare on Elm Street, so that would make sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think it's cool, but I, I, I do think it's not. I, I think it plays into mm-hmm. some of the stereotypes that the first film was parodying. Yeah. Do you, Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I don't. I don't see it in this sense that it's an all out parody mm-hmm. of those. Um, But yeah, no, I I really like the commitment to it being an all out comedy and the musical moments make it stand out in a a really crowded genre, you know, especially at the time. There'd been so many slasher films It really made it stand out. I love the way that the film looks. Very 80s. So many pastels. Mm -hmm. Like... I I don't I don't know if it was a conscious decision but like everyone's wearing pastels. Yeah. The lighting is very pastel. Um. the wallpaper, the you know when it goes to that pink later in the film, you know, mm-hmm. it's all very pastel. Oh yeah. <laughs> I yeah, love absolutely.
0: it. Um yeah, I wasn't the when I first watched it I wasn't the biggest fan. I thought it was more of a trash the piece. I didn't think it was entirely intentional everything it's doing. But sometimes you know when you sit down and you analyse something for the podcast, you can really see what it's going for. And this was absolutely intentional. Everything happens in this film is intentional, and I I really think it is a fantastic slasher film. Um, so fun. And for me, it's easily just as good as the first film because it just it does something different. Yeah. It doesn't try and rehash the same thing again. And when it does it different, it goes really different. And. You know, you can't complain with that. You can't complain with a film that, you know, wants to be as weird as this. I mean, yeah, it's very much taken from Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, But, you know, it's just ridiculous and so much fun.
1: Yeah. And and like I said, I do think it loses some of the social commentary of the original. But I also think that the original lost some of its social commentary Mm. because of Roger Corman. Yeah. Um, Which is a shame because with the, the heightened comedic elements being pushed to the forefront mm-hmm. of this film, there was more room yeah. to have oh, those social commentaries. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a fun film. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's camp. as hell. And um, what know. do you
0: give it for your rating?
1: I give it seven shades of
0: pastel out of ten. I gave it eight copies of Hot, Wet and Wild out of ten. <laughs> I knew you were going to go Hot, Wet and Wild. <laughs> Always do. Um... Masterpiece, the to trash trash or basic. Again, it's not really one you'd give any of those to. No. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it it's kind of an intentional trash to piece, yeah. you know um which doesn't make it trashy because
0: it's trying to yeah. be
1: one. You know what I mean?
0: It's available on Shudder and mm. Video on Demand if you want to check it out. And if you enjoyed this, I recommend checking out Sleepaway Camp 2. Oh,
1: yes. Love Sleepaway Camp 2. Always recommend that. Um, if you enjoyed this, I recommend checking out Prom Night 2. Yeah? Just no, it's, it's very much the same time. Yeah. Fun, campy, silly sequel uh-huh. to, a, to a film, you yeah. know? Or, or Saved by the Bell.
0: Yeah. So next up, we have Slumber Party Massacre 3, released in 1990. Yes. Directed... So Saved by the Bell,
1: the new class.
0: Yeah. Directed by Sally Madison, and it's the only film she directed. She produced Heroes, Stand Alone, Blood Fist, Wizards of the Lost Kingdom 2, Silk 2, Overexposed, Concealed Weapon and more. Uh, in an interview, she actually admitted she hated horror films and only took this one when offered by Roger Corman... Because it was the first opportunity for her to direct a feature film. That says a lot about the time it was released. Yeah. Many fans and critics feel her lack of enthusiasm and commitment is why this is the weakest entry in the trilogy. Yeah. They've pointed out it's basically just a buy the numbers rehash of most of the scenes from the previous two films. (laughs) This ended up being the only film she directed, but she produced several low budget thrillers.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: This is easily the worst film in in the franchise. Yeah,
1: in the words of Alexandra Burke... We haven't seen Cheerleader the
0: Massacre. No. But, yeah.
1: In the words of Alexandra Burke, let's discuss the elephant in the room. Yeah. This film is not
0: good. This is awful.
1: It's awful. And I'll say it now. I fully support women's right to make shit films. (laughs) Because women deserve the opportunity to make shit films. If the men are allowed to do it, then the women are allowed to do it. So I am here for it. I won't be watching it again. But Sally Mattinson, I'm glad you had the opportunity. Maybe it wasn't for you. But... I, I'm pleased to see it. It's
0: just ridiculous that this woman wanted to direct a film and the only thing she could get was a B-grade slasher film from Roger Corman. Like, yeah. there's no other opportunities for it. That's awful. No. That's fucking terrible. And had she...
1: I mean, those credits, were they before this?
0: I think most... I, some of them are, I think, most of them are after. But,
1: you know, and, and there's one thing, I suppose we have to commend Roger Corman to a certain degree for, you know, giving chances to women. Okay.
0: We are but, not commending Roger Corman at all for this film. No, no,
1: no, of course not. No. But if, you know, the biggest studios wouldn't do it, you know, unless you were like a Barbara Streisand and already established. I suppose it's a, it's not the biggest foot in the door. It's not. No. It's a bit of a stinky foot in the door. Yeah, But it's. A foot in the door.
0: Yeah. This film though has the worst bit of trivia about Roger Corman. Oh, absolutely. So no, absolutely. I feel like the only reason, you know, I mean, obviously by this point it was a slumber party mascot thing. It's made by women. And I also feel like he felt like that let him get away with something he does in this film. And yes. is fucking disgusting. But it's
1: also something that is it's not the first time he's done it. And we'll discuss it later. Yeah. Oh yeah. god no.
0: So it's written by Catherine um, Kieran. Uh, Siren, maybe? Siran. Uh, writer of Honey Free, Dare to Dance. Ah! Oh <laughs> my <laughs> god, the Jessica Album. I know, I didn't even know there was a second one. Werewolf, The Beast Among Us, True Heart, Dangerous Waters, Hostile Intentions, Blood Fist 2, Dead Space, Uncaged, and more. Also the director of The Prince and Me Two, The Royal Wedding, Christmas Do-Over, Our Italian Christmas <sighs> Memories... Cross Country Christmas, In the Heat of Passion 2, Unfaithful, A Christmas Duet, and more. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yes, it
1: was. I see. Yeah, I see. See what's going on here.
0: Budget even lower for this one. uh, $350,000. And it made $1.2 million worldwide. Now, uh, you know, this film is awful, but the practical effects are at least consistent. So yeah. again, go you um, You definitely skimped on the cast But uh, <laughs> oh, God. But you, you got those practical effects in there um, Speaking of the cast When the actresses auditioned They knew their roles would involve nudity But after they were cast, some of them refused to go nude Including playboy playmate Marie Carlton Who had been posing nude for years And performed nude in previous films Sally Mattison agreed to let them Keep their clothes on that's one reason why producer Roger Corman, who preferred a lot of new his films, because quote unquote, he knows that's what helped sell them, later forced Masseson, yes, forced the director to reshoot the scene where Maria Ford was attacked. Uh the time where the killer rips off her lingerie and all she wears is a fin fong. More on that to come. Yes. Um It's
1: a difficult one because I can't speak for every hot-blooded male on the planet um, in the 80s or 90s. You know, uh, straight hot-blooded male on the planet. Um, I don't watch a film, although although it did go through a phase of it appearing a lot in films that we chose to watch. uh, But I don't watch a film with the intention of seeing a, 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 a cock. No. Or uh, an arse, you know? And I'm not judging if anybody does,
0: but... If that's all you can sell your films on, then maybe, you know, you're in the wrong side of the film industry. It's, it's
1: a it's a weird... I suppose, yeah. I suppose when we discuss that scene, yeah. we can be a bit clearer. Let's discuss who's in it. Yeah. In, in the second... S- in the second... <laughs> in our second instalment of... Uh... <laughs> Hey, I
0: know you. Do you know Keely Christian, who plays Jackie Cassidy? I do not know. No, well, that's because you've seen nothing she's been in. She was in <laughs> A Brand New Life, Parker Lewis Can't Lose, Married Ooh. with Children. I've seen Married with Children. Well, oh, may yeah. have seen her in that, then. Earth Angel, Charles and Charge, and Hollywood Boulevard 2. Uh, I prefer that to the first one. What's Brit- <laughs> Hollywood Boulevard 1? I have no idea. Britton Fry plays Ken Whitehouse. He was in Hide and Go Shriek, which we have seen. No, less than zero. Veiled Fret. Highway oh, to less Heaven. Less than zero. The Bret Ellis uh, adaptation. Uh, Santa Barbara, Dallas, and Laughing It Up. Laughing It Up. No idea. No. No. Not a clue. Michael Harris plays Morgan. Uh, he is in Suture. I love you. Don't touch me. Horse player. <laughs> Amy's orgasm, ooh, finding bliss, bar girls, tales from the crypt, and more. I think we noticed, but a lot more men in this film.
1: Unfortunately, it's almost like uh, sadly,
0: there's a first time director who's maybe having a producer having a bit too much to say in her film. David Greenly plays Duncan. Uh, he was in the Beauty and the Beast TV show, the Linda Hamilton one. Ooh, fame. Digimon the movie, Ooh. Digimon Adventure Ooh. 2002, and Digimon Digital Monsters. Bloody hell. Spencer, Fatal Instinct. I don't know what film that's ripping off. Panther. And that's a parody, though, isn't and it? More. Is
1: it? A, yeah, that's a parody of our erotic thrillers, like Fatal Attraction and Basic Instinct and, and such. Oh,
0: uh, okay. Uh, finally, we have Alexander Folk, um, who. I'm sure most of the budget may have gone home because Duh. he's been in a lot and a lot of big films A
1: lot after. Wasn't
0: yeah. It? And some before. He plays Detective Davis and he was in <gasps> Sid and Nancy. Oh him of course. Excuse me. Yeah. He was in Sid and Nancy, Dream Girls, Christmas Vacation, Lost Highway, Showgirls, Fright Night Two, Cut in Class, Death at a Funeral. Yeah, he's in a lot of films and always typecast as well. As a cop. As a cop. He's always a cop. <laughs> Um. Yeah, as I was saying in the previous, one, again, you know, just the little things like the cast being a lot more male oriented than the other two films. You can really see that Deborah Brock must have got along with Roger Corman after that little incident. Because, again, I think there was a lot of creative freedom in that film. Because when you look at it compared to this one, this is a Roger Corman film. This is definitely a Roger Corman film. It's,
1: I think, the fact that there's so many male characters is because it's obsessed with the whodunit. Yeah. Oh, God, The first two films, you know, we know who the killer is. Yeah. It's not a whodunit. Whereas in this film, it's got very little to do with Slumber Party Massacre as we know it. Uh,
0: The satire of the first first two films. There's no satire. They're completely
1: gone. But it's obsessed with red herrings. Yeah. So there's way more male actors. There's way more characters, really. Yeah. And they all get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. But there's more male characters because it is obsessed with this red herring who done it bullshit. Yeah, I got lost with who is who so many times in this oh film. Oh my god, absolutely. Um, and you know I'm bad in general, even yeah. worse.
0: Yeah, this this absolutely becomes the film that the first two films and the remake parody. Yeah,
1: no, abso- absolutely.
0: So without further ado, let's talk about our second feature presentation. time. and the only thing the girls of malibu beach need is good music good friends and guys
1: so what's it worth to you i know what you're thinking you're thinking a guy like that is just the kind of guy we need at the party tonight they just invited the wrong guy
0: Again, the most terrifying horror series of the decade. Now, the Driller Killer's back. <laughs> Slumber Party Massacre, Part 3. The opening credits with a bunch of pictures of the film's characters, uh, with the final one being a kid kissing an older man on the cheek something that will become ridiculously uncomfortable when you realise who it is. Yeah. um, I mean, I was confused. Mean, mean spirited to the extreme. This is jarring for a generic throwaway slasher film.
1: Yeah. And it's definitely a sign of the times. But these (sighs) photos at the beginning, they look like headshots and crew. I was a bit like, don't you post these, don't you put these at the end of a film? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, why have we got these at the beginning? What does any of this mean? Yeah. Uh we're introduced to a group of friends playing volleyball by a beach in Venice, uh, California.
0: After the worst pattern shot I've ever seen. <laughs> and it just keeps sticking. She's trying to move the camera and it just keeps sticking. Um The opening scenes on the beach were actually shot on a freezing cold day in January. Oh dear. You couldn't actually tell. So. No, not
1: really, actually. I mean, that's the only bit of good acting in the film. Not acting like they're freezing together. Yeah,
0: me. one of the girls runs back so far to the point she bumps into the camera and falls over. She does. <laughs> she does. I saw a clip, I forgot to send it to you, recently,
1: of um, oh, what was it? Elsie Tanner in an old Coronation Street episode <laughs> getting smacked by the camera. <laughs> and it reminded me of that. <laughs>
0: um. A mysterious guy with a ponytail uh, looks like he's a member of U2 um, is watching the game of volleyball.
1: Yeah, he, with all due respect to the actor, he's got one of those faces and God bless him. I swear, He's probably a lovely person in real life, but he has one of those faces that makes him a perfect weirdo in a film. <laughs> you know, and I, I I, I don't profess to be a, a George Clooney um, no. But he has one of his And you know it, And I think he's been in quite a lot of films You know Play to your strengths And, mm-hmm. and get that money Yeah You know Absolutely Not you know He just has one of those Faces mm-hmm. You
0: know Makes him perfect for the role With all due respect Jackie One of the group Is a high school senior Throwing a slumber party that night As her parents are out of town Looking for a new house I mean, yeah, if we're going to leave town, might as well look for a new house. I don't know why we needed to know that. Someone hits the ball a bit too far, and Juliet goes to grab it when she bumps into the rather camp, Ken Whitehouse, who has a little flirt with her.
1: Yeah. um, (laughs) I suppose we need to know that she, her parents are buying a new house. Because we have the. Ah, um, oh, for sale sign. For sale yeah, sign. Yeah, and we yeah. have the neighbour as the red herring. That's true. Um, it's a girls versus boys volleyball game, um, which could have opened up some gender discourse. I'm, I'm reaching here. I was like, please, I need a bit yeah. of something. Uh, but it just goes on for a while whilst everyone flirts and uh, they talk like it's an episode of Beverly Hills 90210. They talk- Duncan is a nerd. He's... He looks like Hate from Steps yeah, in the 90s. He's, he's got a bowl cut, so he sticks out a little bit. But they're, they're quite generic, really. Um, yeah, yeah. It's,
0: yeah, a bit boring. Yeah. <laughs> bit when... like, what am I meant to say? Yeah, no, no, none of the characters in this film are exciting. No. When the friends leave the beach, one of the girls, Sarah, gets into her car and is brutally murdered by an unseen killer in the back seat with a power drill through her back.
1: Yeah, which we're, assume, we're made to assume is
0: the beach weirdo. Yeah. It's not. The friends from the beach drive home whilst we get a Go-Go's ripoff song playing. <laughs> and it Ab- looks like a Go-Go's music video. It, oh, it looks like an advert from The Gap. <laughs> it's like...
1: <laughs> or like Abercrombie... What was the one? Abercrombie and Fitch. Yeah. The, the one where they're like really
0: racist. Uh-huh. Jackie returns to her home and finds her odd neighbour, Morgan now, with his greasy hair and glasses... Wanting to tour the inside of the house. He's already He's in already the inside house. the fucking house. He's already in the house. Spoiler alert, he's not the killer. No. So <laughs> it's completely wasted. I just don't yeah. understand. Why is the beach weirdo watching? He's not the killer. Why is no. he inside the house? He's not the killer. No. Like, so many people in this film act suspicious. <laughs> but, you know, men, you know,
1: acting creepy and, you know, making women feel uncomfortable... That's interesting. It's what the Mm -hmm. first two films kind of dealt with. Yeah. You know, um, but it
0: doesn't go anywhere because it's just a red herring fucking Scooby-Doo mystery. Uh Yeah. (laughs) He tells Jackie he's considering purchasing the property when she and her family move and mentions he has a telescope because that'll be useful later on.
1: Yeah, a scene is way too long and awkward for it, my life. Oh my god, it
0: takes them so long to leave the fucking house. Yeah, like we see every second of it. It doesn't cut a single. This is the longest one. Yeah, this is. Yeah, films.
1: spoiler alert: the first two films don't make an hour and twenty. No,
0: and even the remake I think is like one or two minutes shorter than this. This yeah. is the longest film this in the franchise. Is an hour and a half. And, oh my god, it does not need to be. It has no right to be. That night Jackie's friends Diane, Maria, Juliet, Janine and Susie all arrived for the party. I can't tell you any individual characteristics about any of them. Um I can. Yeah.
1: Maria Oh, she's a queen. Elvi she's a she, queen. Yeah, she put off Elvira. Elvira hair. Yeah.
0: She's got Elvira's hair. But yeah. in like uh what would you say? Auburn brown. Yeah, she tells Jackie all about the fifty year old man she's started dating. <laughs> yes um i mean the acting in this scene it. is awful I oh, know the acting is awful fucking the, film.
1: we we watched it don't sue us on youtube and it's the only place you can it's watch the only it. place yeah. and the quality jumps really weird so i don't know i feel like that's the film i feel movie. like this scene but you know when like something's been cut mm-hmm. and it's reinserted yeah and obviously the quality jumps um this is how this scene felt. They're just out on what I f- I, what I thought was a balcony. Yeah. I don't know where the fuck they are because it doesn't seem like the garden where the barbecue is and the uh, whatever. No. Um, but the quality jumps and I'm like, well, fucking hell. They did a reshoot and inserted this. How fucking boring. Yeah. So boring. But she's giving Elvira the house down boots. So. Yeah. Props to you. And mama. she's dating a
0: fifty year old man, so she's in it for the money. She's. And the boys uh, are planning on playing a prank. And one of them says... And just the only standout line of dialogue I've got from the scene is... Hey, there's more than one stud in this group. just kind it of funny that one of them said that. Well, Morgan calls as well, doesn't he? Yeah. At,
1: at night as he's spying on the girls. And he wants to come over to see the house at <laughs> night. I was like, are you fucking serious? Like... Knowing that he's not the killer, uh huh. Like why why is he why is he calling? Why why is he caught? it's never explained?
0: Well, shortly after the girls start sexy dancing while oh. stripping.
1: Yeah. My issue with this one, as opposed to the first two films, is they were dancing to music and they're dancing to music now, but they're so two of them, I don't know which ones, are obsessed with like clapping and <laughs> finger clicking. <laughs> Oh no yeah and they all look like they're dancing to different you know whereas yeah. in the second film they look like they were dance all dancing to yeah, not different. the song playing in this one each individual
0: person is dancing to a different song yeah. <laughs> Frank Tom and Michael arrive and scare them in masks one of which is Freddy Krueger yo the uh,
1: Maria and Juliet are dared to strip mm-hmm. um as is like, with the second film as well, Maria goes topless, but Juliet is just in her underwear. Yeah. You know, whatever. Uh, but then Maria asks, is it okay if she changes into her pyjamas <laughs> in the front room, in front of her? I don't know if I misheard. That's what I said. Is it I okay she- if I change it, my clothes is, here? Is it okay if I change my clothes here? So, um, You've just been dancing topless for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, where are the boundaries here? Like, it's okay if you dare me, but if I'm getting changed, I need to ask your
0: permission. Uh-huh. Okay. Jackie angrily tells the guys to leave, so Frank and Tom go to get something for the girls, whilst Michael goes to apologise to them. Uh, Michael encounters a masked killer who impales him with a house for sale sign.
1: Yeah, Um. so Michael, the second person killed in the film, um I don't understand why he was the one told to go back and apologize. Yeah. Um but I th- I think it's important to to note that Michael is the only black character in the film. Uh-huh. And you know the old stereotypes true, you know they exist for a reason and the black characters
0: in slasher films are always the ones yeah, killed first, that's true. you know. Um that reminds me, actually, the kills in this are very equal opportunities. Whereas in the first two, where you uh, see the guys get the nastier deaths and the women are off screen. No, the women get brutally murdered in this. Because, again, I really think this is a Roger Corman film.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think this...
0: Yeah. You wouldn't notice it's directed by a woman.
1: No, not really. And the thing is, at the end of the day, not every single film directed by a woman has to speak... On, you know, being a woman, it it doesn't have to always have to come from that place. Yeah. Um. But you can kind of see the Roger Corman side of things way too much in this one. You know, I don't. it, It doesn't. It's not like I don't see this being directed by a female director. I don't see it being directed by someone who cares about the material. Yeah. That, I think that's the problem. Uh-huh. Because not every gay director has to speak on being no, gay. You no. know, it's not one of those
0: things. No. But I think, uh, you know, one thing that clouds my judgment on this is very much a certain incident that happens later on. I feel like... Oh, abs- absolutely. I think that yeah. says it all. No, absolutely. Patron Steps shows up, uh, bribes a pizza delivery girl into delivering the pizzas to the girls, uh, and then she is chased and murdered by the same killer.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm confused. Okay. He asks to buy her shirt, and uh, she tells him that they sell them at the store. <laughs> like, why would you want to buy it <laughs> to delivery place? Do they? Is that is that a thing? Like, I wouldn't go into Domino's and buy a, no. like, a shirt. Everyone would think I work there. Like, what's that about? Uh, I'm also not sure why they swap shirts, as the girls recognise Duncan anyway. Yeah. <laughs> if you just if you just said, "I'll give you ten dollars." So I can deliver the pizzas.
0: I mean, it's yeah. still the same face. They still... The moment they open the door...
1: Ah, oh, Duncan. Well, he
0: stands with his back to the door at first. Uh, and then you expect him to turn around with his eyes drilled out. You know, like the first one. But no, he's, he's very much alive, unfortunately. But I just... I don't
1: get why why the need to have the red T-shirt. I know. It's a lot of effort. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I, I think it's just so they could see the... Uh, Delivery girl, take her top off to change. Of course. of course.
0: Two of the girls are having a gossip about what Frank did to one of them in the kitchen. When they notice someone is at the window, they open the curtain to see the beach weirdo and they just scream in his face. So It's so <laughs> awkward. It's, I don't know what they're trying to do, but it's so awkward. And it gets even more awkward because the girls let Frank and Tom in the house and then Ken appears right behind them and just smiles at the camera for <laughs> so long. It lingers on him for ages.
1: It's like when you accidentally make eye contact with
0: someone. Yeah. (laughs) So awkward. Well, they call the police about the beach weirdo, and the police dismiss them as girls with overactive imaginations. Detective Davis and Officer O'Reilly have a conversation about a police officer who recently committed suicide. Officer O'Reilly tells Detective Davis that the cop was gay.
1: Well, he doesn't necessarily say gay. What he does is he explains via campy hand gesture yeah. that he was a homosexual T- to which uh, he replies "Germany Cricket that's no reason to kill yourself <laughs> thank you Real, true ally this uh,
0: really raises some Ooh. issues with something that happens um, as the film goes on again relating to that picture at the start of the film if you haven't seen this yet I'm sure you can see where this is going yes um, the cop Officer O'Reilly just feels like a ripoff of the Killer Clowns Space Cop which is cringy because the Killer Clowns out Space Cop was a satire on cops like that but I feel like I mean he even looks like him I feel like he, that's taken yeah. directly from that like yeah. the way he's talking and everything is very much Killer Clowns around teenagers yeah. these days yeah um, Tom and Susie have a romantic moment in front of Jackie's dad's swordfish in the basement. Um, yeah,
1: they're, <laughs> and they're watched by who we believe to be the killer in a, mm-hmm. a POV shot.
0: Yeah, yeah. Upstairs, <laughs> but aren't killed. Nothing happens. Upstairs after Juliet and Ken have sex to an REM ripoff song. <laughs> Ken leaves and Juliet. Oh, what's the frequency, Kenneth? <laughs> Juliet, in a bizarre series of events, is electrocuted by an unseen killer in the bathtub who throws Jackie's vibrator into the bath whilst plugged in.
1: Yeah, this song, I know it's an REM ripoff, but it's like, bam, 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 yeah. the inside of your thigh. <laughs> um, the They don't actually have
0: sex. Well, technically, not they because they have oral sex. Yes, so.
1: they do. Yes, but Ken isn't able to rise to the occasion. Yeah, and so you know, takes a trip down south.
0: He gets scared when she goes near his cock.
1: Yes, um, I also feel like Juliet's nudity in this scene mm. is a body double in a bad Dolly Parton wig. <laughs> Because it doesn't not match her hair. I no. don't know if she had a bad hair day at one point, but it does look like a, you know, just, what would they call it on Drag Race? Shake and go, yeah. Dolly Parton wig. Um, <laughs> Julie- when Juliet finds the plug-in vibrator, because that's, you know, how hot this film. Like It plugs into the wall. It's fucking huge, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> when she finds it, she says... Uh, <laughs> what is it cat chink poor guys <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was I have to say that was
1: funny I'm sorry
0: <laughs> there's a conversation going on in the kitchen I think it was with Jackie uh, where she's like oh, am I the only one not getting it tonight and Duncan h Steps is like I'm available so Duncan yeah <laughs> <laughs> Tom drops pizza on the floor, and we get an entire saga dedicated to this fucking pizza on the floor. He ruins the carpet, and Susie and Jackie make it worse while trying to clean it up. And oh god! I assure you, yeah. not there is so much screen time dedicated to this so fucking pizza on the carpet. True. Ugh. Soon after, Maria finds Juliet's corpse in a closet, and uh, they're all in hysterics. And one of them.
1: Are they?
0: One These of reactions like, are a choice. <laughs> One of them was like, look guys, can we just go downstairs and call the cops, please? And someone was like, yes. Yes. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> and they do. And they tell him about the murder. Ken's like, I'm a man. They'll listen to me. And by all means, they were starting to listen. And then fucking Jackie snatches the phone. And then as soon as Officer O'Reilly hears, oh, are you fucking kidding me? Here she is again, this bitch. I ain't fucking responding to this. Yeah, which could have been a great thing about Believing women. There's another
1: thing that but refers to it slightly yeah.
0: later on as well. But no, yeah. it's it's not nothing happens it's
1: like I'm that I'm a man and he said that his uncle is a former police officer. Yeah.
0: Yes. Detective Davis decides he's gonna go to the house to check if everything's okay when he's finished his shift. He's finished his shift. <laughs> In an hour's time. An hour's
1: time. <laughs> Which That's... I don't think is a comment on police. No, I feel like I think bad, writing. bad writing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> As Ken and Tom run to find help, uh, whilst discussing their knee and ankle problems, because why wouldn't you want to hear well, about
1: that? Well, they don't... Yeah, they kind of run to find help, but they try and find weapons. Yeah. So I, they can go back and defend themselves. Yeah. <laughs> my my understanding is that Jackie's parents are away. They are, yeah. They're yeah? a their house. But if the phone is in use, mm-hmm. they can use the phone. They call the police. Yeah. Why can't any of the others call their parents? Exactly. Why can't they call their parents and say hi? God. And if they can go to the lumber yards yeah. to find weapons, why can't they just knock on next door? Uh-huh. Or like knock on, you know, old weirdo across the way. Yeah. Oh shit, sorry, he's a red herring. Yeah. You know, or like call her parents and say, "Hi mom, someone's been murdered. Can, <laughs> the police aren't helping. Can yeah. you help? You know, you call them. You
0: do so, you know?" Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, Ken reveals. We're stupid. <laughs> Ken reveals that he is the killer and proceeds to whack Tom with a sledgehammer oh. before slicing into his legs with a chainsaw, and then says to him because of the conversation about his ankles, "Never admit your weaknesses." Really? Yeah. Tom, uh, has seemingly survived and starts crawling away. Now remember that, because it's fucking pointless. It's pointless. The girls are waiting around for Tom and Ken to return, and one of them compares her situation to being in a concentration camp. That now
1: that is bad writing. She yeah. she says, she says, I feel like I'm in a concentration camp waiting for the Gestapo to tell me I'm next. Yeah. I was like, really? Really? Mm-hmm. Like, what fucking shit awful writing. Yeah. Like, why would you even say that? Who's you know, who is that for? Who's the, yeah, like, it gets
0: worse. It it, it gets it, worse. It really right does. it's just it's cheap, isn't yeah. it? it's so, so
1: fucking cheap.
0: Frank and Jackie go to the basement um, for some reason, and Frank is literally you know the friends. Have, one of the friends has been murdered. They're about to be attacked by a killer, and he just turns around. and He's like, "Hey, nice fish." Yeah. Like, <sighs>
1: yeah.
0: They find the beach weirdo's corpse, so we know it's not him. He's been killed. Oh, yeah. So that must have been who the point of view was watching them yeah. with the swordfish.
1: And then he was killed by Ken mm-hmm. without anyone noticing. And, yeah, because, you know, teleportation
0: yeah, mm-hmm. in slasher films. Ken goes to a van parked on the street where he has kept the bodies and a giant power drill. Inside... He examines a newspaper clipping regarding the suicide of his police officer Uncle Billy and recalls how he was sexually abused by him as a kid. So the picture we see at the start of the film is him kissing his uncle who sexually abused him. His gay police officer, uncle. Yeah. Um
1: it in all seriousness, it's an insult to victims of sexual yeah. abuse uh-huh. that this would be used. As an excuse for a killing spree. Yeah. It's stupid. It's insulting. And also, you know, homophobic. It is. The idea that, you know, at the beginning, you know. They made did, such a point of him being gay. Yeah. And then I feel like it's equating homosexuality with, you know, sexually abusing children. Yeah. I think it's insulting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And. It, I can't see any other way of looking at this without being like, yeah, No, it's
0: awful. It's absolutely awful. Terrible writing. And that's really all they could go with? That's the only... That's the only motive he has?
1: I understand it's a sign of the times, to a certain degree, that they wouldn't think they would receive any backlash from Mm. it. I think if you had a film, these this, you know, coming out in 2023, that had this twist... And such. There'd be huge backlash. Yeah, I do understand that. But you had two films beforehand that didn't even go anywhere near this no. sort of... they didn't need to. ...thing. It was completely unnecessary.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's the excuse. And that's what we're getting.
1: Yeah. Like, literally, there is no other reason for him to mm. be murdering people... Uh, except that he was sexually abused by his uncle. Yeah. And, and, you know, which is so insulting to
0: actual real life victims. Yeah. He goes back to the house and barges in and kills both Duncan and Frank. Morgan watches this happen through his telescope and calls the police. And Officer O'Reilly immediately is like, oh my God, we'll get someone sent out to you straight away. Yeah. Like, okay, there we go. That's, that's interesting. But nothing's done with it. It's interesting. It could have been a real, you know, uh,
1: sort of commentary on you know, believing women yeah. and, and such, but no. Uh, also how quick he kills Duncan and Frank! Like, well that shit. Yeah. We had to put up with but both of those characters. Uh-huh. All that time wasted and they're just killed off like that. Thought, yeah. Oh, he's he, give him a good death scene. Rip his fucking bulk off or yeah.
0: something. He starts running around and he's like, be nice to Uncle girls. Like, that's really even more insensitive. And he's like, Uncle Billy has something for you. Come and get it. Yeah, this is the thing now. He's sort of. Uh, kind he thinks of, he's his uncle.
1: He thinks he's his uncle.
0: Yeah. Um, which is. Oh. Maria finds Tom's dead body leaning against the window. Yes, Tom, the same character that was crawling away when we last saw him. Mm. He's dead. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> and Janine runs uh, to the door, but Ken follows and Maria flees. Janine jumps through the glass door and Ken drills her in the back, killing her. Susie hides in an upstairs closet. Ken says, um, before
1: he drills Janine, he says, what a waste. And I thought,
0: oh, my time, yes. <laughs> Susie hides in an upstairs closet, but Ken attacks her and knocks her unconscious. Before he can kill her, Maria knocks him in the head with a lamp and he chases her, Jackie and Diane in the basement where Jackie uses a spear gun to shoot him, and they run back upstairs.
1: And this is the thing now with the film. It's literally, and I got bored, I have to be honest. He's it's, immortal. like, But it's like Scooby-Doo.
0: Yeah, they keep like doing things to try and kill him, and he just keeps coming back yeah, again and again and, and again.
1: And it's that thing that I really hate in slasher films. And I understand, you know, films have to go a certain length. And you suspend belief. I do understand that. But when they've knocked the killer out, yeah. when the the killer is ready to be finished off mm-hmm. and killed, they don't do it. And it drives me fucking bonkers. It really does. Mm-hmm. Because like, just, oh my God, just kill him. Just kill him. You know, because I know for a fact, at least two of them are going to be goners mm-hmm. in this film because they haven't finished the job. Drives me insane. Uh, Susie regains consciousness and throws bleach in Ken's face, blinding him. He catches Maria and kills her after he strips and molests her. Yeah. So this is the scene that we've been talking about.
0: Yes. So the trivia for this scene, um, the sexual assault and murder of Maria was a reshoot um, Of Another scene uh, Where she simply just got murdered mm. The director Sally Matheson Was completely against it because she felt It was gratuitous and glorified The sexual abuse of women Something she wanted to avoid mm-hmm. Which also brings me back to the rest of the film yes. You know this again This is why I feel like he had so much to say about this film And in, say in this film She only included it because it was a direct Order from Roger Corman that also helps explain continuity errors in the film. For example, as Maria is attacked, the three other girls rush to her aid, but presumably just stand there and watch her be stripped, naked, molested, and murdered whilst doing nothing. They just watch it. Yes. Originally, after falling to the floor, she was immediately killed. Yeah. Um. That's ridiculous that he forced this to happen. It is, but it's not the first time. No,
1: we've discussed previously on the podcast "Humanoids from the Deep,", from yeah. the deep where a huge plot point was women being raped, mm-hmm. and Roger Corman and another film directed by a woman. Um, but another film where Roger Corman was adamant that there should be more female nudity. Yeah, and if that came from sexual assault, then mm-hmm. so be it. You know, it'll st- you know. The audience will still get their jollies over it. Yeah. And I find that incredibly uncomfortable. It's I think it's
0: so disturbing. I think
1: it's disturbing. I think it's disgusting. This scene was made me feel so uncomfortable knowing the reasons behind yeah. it. You know, we say it on the podcast many times, but you know, to have sexual assault, rape in a film and not deal with it properly mm-hmm. It's exploitative. It is, yeah. And it's highly uncomfortable and I just, there's no place for it. There wasn't any place for it back then, you know, and there isn't any place for it now. And it just, it drives me insane. And it's, you know, even even if this wasn't a shit film to begin Mm -hmm. with, it's really... Just it's the carelessness ruins of it as well. It.
0: The fact that you know there is a continuity error in there just because he's yeah. desperate to put this yeah, in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and again it makes it look like the characters just didn't even try and help her yeah. at all. After they've just been smashing him over the head with things, throwing bleach in his face all this time, yeah. that's what they've been doing. And then when he starts doing that they just stand there and watch. Yeah, which and, I mean And he was fine with releasing that. He was fine with that. Yeah, it's it's
1: almost comical in its stupidity. Yeah. The fact that we're meant to believe that all this has got going- and it's a long scene, um, very uncomfortable, and mm. the- and then it just goes back, and the girls are just standing there watching.
0: It's yeah. it's in its shoddiness, it's almost comical. Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, you know, I'd say this ruins the film, but do you know what? Th- there's nothing redeemed about this piece of shit. There's, no. you know, with the whole gay uncle sexually abusing. Nephew storyline, and then this is just this it's just an absolute mess. It's very messy. Really, very messy. is a mess and a fucking product of its time, but to the extreme, like the fact they got away with all of this, it's just and they thought it was okay to release, and it still made one point three million dollars. You know, it's fucking stupid.
1: Uh, Ken manages to smash the lights and lamps with incredible accuracy, considering he's been blinded by bleach. Yeah. And this is also his first visit to Jackie's home.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Jackie, Susie, and Diane manage to knock Ken unconscious with a croquet mallet, and as the three contemplate what to do, Ken awakens again and begins slashing Diane with a knife, killing her.
0: Whilst having flashbacks with Uncle molesting him.
1: Yes. Um. Yeah. What? What's it, is it? Is it Susie or Jackie? I can't remember. Whichever one it says, "Why don't we just kill him?"
0: Yeah, like, why don't you just kill him? Why are you debating this? He has just murdered all of your friends.
1: Yeah, and then, uh, is it Susie? Yeah. The main one. She says, uh, you don't just kill someone who's lying there. Oh, shit the fuck Like, he has
0: just murdered all of your friends.
1: Yeah, so she is directly responsible for Diane's death. Because she was like, oh, you don't kill someone who's just lying there. Yes, you fucking do.
0: Yeah, Susie manages to pin him to the floor long enough for Jackie to viciously plunge the drill through his chest multiple times. They're just killing someone who's lying on the floor. They could yeah. have just done that a second ago. I know, yeah. After he dies, Jackie finds a photo in Ken's shirt pocket of him as a child with his uncle. Susie so goes to answer. The police are knocking on the door. We focus on that picture, and it's him kissing his uncle on the cheek, and the credits roll. Again, we start the film with it, and we end the film with that picture. It's fucking disgusting, and I really can't believe they thought that was okay. It's rotten. Even in 1990.
1: Yeah, it's really rotten. Um, like I said before, I've always said I believe women should get the opportunity to make bad films just as much as good films. But I do feel that Roger Corman deserves more than his fair share of the blame for oh, this yeah. one.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: More, more than forcing now... people to uh, yeah. to
0: include a sexual assault scene just so you can have something for people to get off to. Yeah, so so, so fucking weird. Why was this guy not investigated? That is fucking weird. You. <laughs>
1: I said, well, wasn't he the um, you know Lance Henriksen in uh, Scream mm. Three? Wasn't he based, based on Logic? On, yeah, Coleman? that's true. That's true. Uh, we're now in the basic cast slasher territory. Yeah, which is what the first film was parodying, and then the mm-hmm. second one to a certain degree.
0: Amazing what happens when films make a bit of money.
1: And the red herrings just really got on my nerves. Yeah. You know, they could have been used to comment on the treatment of women, but they weren't. Yeah. And it, it's just a really... If, if the so second lazy. film was saved by the bell, this is fucking Scooby-Doo.
0: It's giving it too much credit. Sco- this is just, <laughs> it's just, it's just <laughs> paid by numbers. <clears throat> slasher. It's like Scrappy-Doo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ratings, I give it two dates of a 50-year-old man out of 10.
1: I give it two Elvira wigs out of
0: 10. Uh, masterpiece trash piece, Trash or basic A lot of it's basic But I'm going to go with trash It's trash It's absolutely it's trash It's very
1: very trash
0: And the only place It's available Is on YouTube Nowhere I don't else. recommend I mean really, if,
1: if you're a completionist I mean I suppose we've warned you um, no. But I wouldn't recommend Watching it No them, really. It makes no difference To the franchise Not really It's got nothing to do With the first two really
0: If you enjoy this I recommend checking out Prom Night 4 Deliver us from evil Same sort of tone Slightly better
1: um, oh, I didn't write one for this, actually, so I agree with Gary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll get on to I did, the. I think I was just glad it was over. The, getting on to the awards. We'll only be giving an award, uh, one award to one of the films. Uh, spoiler alert, I mean, many's going to go to the third film. Biggest oh. Queen. I actually have Sheila in Slum Pipe Massacre, too, because she threw the party at her house. She's got her tits out for everyone. She was, you know, it's her band. Yeah, that's true. Actually, all round queen. I think Sheila.
1: Yeah, I agree with Sheila. I I did think Maria as well. Yeah, because she's she's she's
0: a queen. But uh, yeah, Sheila. Biggest gasp! uh, The only award the third one's going to get is the sexual abuse storyline, in part three.
1: Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really want to. Yeah, true. That is the biggest gasp. But I put the kills.
0: At least the killer starts singing instead of the party massacre too. Best dialogue I have. Come on, baby, light my fire. You bet I will. Now, this
1: is the one I give to part three.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah, deserved. <laughs> because
1: it's saying what I was thinking. Yes. Yes, you should call the police, bitch.
0: <laughs> and that's camp. It's a tough one, but I'm going to give it to both of Courtney Band's performances in the second film.
1: Absolutely. The the go-go's light singing in Slumber Party Massacre 2. Yeah.
0: So if you are a fan of these films Let us know on social media We're Horracle Trash over on Facebook and Instagram Horracle Trash on Twitter I'm Dad at Gaz92 on Letterboxd Gazmer205 on Instagram And Gazcruz92 on Twitter
1: I'm Chris Barker823 on Letterboxd And Instagram And you can
0: check out the Horror Festival We're running Gasp Horror Festival Across all social media It's Gasp Horror Fest And if uh, you like what you hear, then give us a rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, like follow, and nothing else. Next week, we're back into the month of random shit. We haven't got no themes. So of course, we're going back to some good old trash and discussing LOL. Or LOL. LOL. Celebrate Miley Cyrus' new album being released the same week. As Hilary Duff would
1: call it, Laugh Out Loud. Laugh Out Loud.
0: (laughs) Yes. Um, When's the Winter new album out? Next Friday. Ooh, so perfect time. Didn't do it. On, didn't even do it on purpose. No. No? Yeah, just. What happened. a way to celebrate. So yes, we'll be back same time, same place next week. Bye.